turn with me to John chapter 10. That is where our teaching text today is found. And I'll just take a moment to introduce you to uh, a guest who is with us, who's going to be teaching today. His name is Jay Pathak. Jay is the pastor of a family of churches called Mile High Vineyard in Denver, Colorado. He's the national director of the Vineyard denomination and larger network of churches across the U.S. And he's a dear, dear friend to me who I deeply respect and who each time I sit with him, I feel that like deepest, truest part of me, that desire for holiness being drawn to the surface of my life. So that's who Jay is, um, and we're so, so grateful that you're here with us today, man. Will you stand with me for the reading of the Word of God? Our teaching text today comes from John chapter 10, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This is the word of the Lord. You say such nice things to me. You're so kind to me. Good morning. It's good to be together this morning. And uh, there's some of you who are guests here this morning. Someone said you should come to church today. You'll love my pastor. (laughs) He's so good. He's great. He's attractive. He's got great hair. And now I'm here. (laughs) And, And you're thinking that, oh, I brought my friend the wrong week. This is so disappointing. And so I guess I would just like to say, uh, you know, you should come next week. This, this is a trial, this is just sort of a trial run, and you should come back. So I'm very, very sorry. But I am honored to be with you this morning, and uh, you know, I've been with you now for a few days, and I've just really had a lot of fun. I feel like I'm at home. Um, I'm from Denver, Colorado, which is a sister city, I, I think, of Portland. It feels very similar in kind of vibe uh, to, uh, to my city and where I am. It's the same kind of deep cynicism <laughs> that runs through your soul, <laughs> except for we have sunshine. So, I think we're, we're further ahead. But uh, so some of you are like, I don't like him. <laughs> I already don't like him. See, that's, this is why it's fun. It's so fun. Really enjoy this. Uh, and and, and when, I was, when I got to speak over this uh, time, we've been together in a, a, a bit of a retreat. So, if you're... If you're new with us, I want to sort of just say something to you, and it'll be a little bit of a repeat for those of you who have been here, so bear with me. Um, You know, because when you're in a church, you don't really know the kind of church you're in. You just kind of know the thing you're doing in the church, right? Like, there's some of you just came, and you've just been here, and you, like, do, I don't know, whatever bit you do. You, like, help out with coffee, or you, like, take care of kids, or you, you just do the things you do when you're in a church. You're like, I don't know, we just do this again. 
And it can be, feel a little mundane or sort of repetitive and sometimes it's great and sometimes it's not so great. And I guess I just want to give you a little perspective from the outside, just for a moment. And I, I just want to let you know that you are a part of a community that has an impact that's quite literally ripping, rippling across the world. Uh, the teaching and the things that you guys do, people listen to and watch, not just in your city, but across the country and across the world. You might not know that. And I know that when that is true, you know, the sort of the people on the stages get attention, and rightly so. They're very good at what they do. But I know, I'm a local pastor, there's some of you here that just serve faithfully and you give faithfully and you do all of these things. And I guess I just wanna say from the outside, I just wanna say as clearly as I can, thank you. Thank you for your investment in this place. Thank you for the way that you give and you serve because though it seems like a small impact, it is making a difference in cities like mine and across the world. People are paying attention, they're watching. And the things that God grows in this place are helping people all over to, to know and follow Jesus more. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'd like to commend your leaders to you. You know, I've been with them in a couple different environments outside of here, you know, around the, the country, around the world. You know, I bump into some of the folks that help lead you. And I, I wanna tell you that I, I think they really do like you like they really care. Uh, and I know, I wish I could say that that's like just the norm, but there are a lot of like professional Christians. Like they're in this thing, like an industry, and they just are sort of making their way through like different professional opportunities. And I guess I wanna commend the leaders that I've met that come from your world, that they talk about you when you're not there. They love you, they pray for you, they sacrifice for you. I wanna commend them to you from the outside to say that these people have been given to you as a stewardship. You should pray for them. You should care for them. And from time to time, you should say thank you. And you should send them nice emails. <laughs> Not just sad and upset ones. Because they are a gift to you. They're a stewardship and churches are called to steward and care for those who have been entrusted to them. So I say all that to say, um, you know, there's a lot of people watching. So don't screw it up because it'll be super public and really awkward and painful and embarrassing for everybody. We will all suffer. So if there's any way you could just not mess up, that would be great. So keep on not messing up and it'll help. Okay. So we have some Bible we're going to consider now. Um, we're in a series. I got to listen to the series a bit um, where you're looking at the seven I am statements of Jesus through the gospel of John. And uh, I listened to last week's talk. If you didn't hear it, you really should listen to it. It's really, really good. He did a really good job. And it kind of 
dovetails neatly into the text we're looking at today. You know, um, the, the, the scriptures work together in very particular ways, and it's important to sort of stay in the thread, uh, sort of the current of it all, if you can. So if you didn't get to listen to last week, seriously, I really think you should go back and listen to it, because it's in a section where uh, Jesus is doing these I am statements. There's, there's more than one in just this section. And these relate, of course, to a larger theme in John where he does these seven I am statements, which of course then connect to Moses, where Moses stands in front of the burning bush and God speaks of himself as I am the great I am. And so when Jesus shows up and starts talking about himself and referring to himself in these I am's, he's sort of hearkening, he's drawing that forward, right? Does that make sense? So he's making some claims that they would be listening to, that they would understand, and uh, they would sort of attach to other stories that they've heard. And and this is why reading the Bible is really helpful, uh, because the Bible does sort of work together. And you want to kind of try to see the Bible from a larger view so that when you kind of dip into one spot, it kind of connects to the rest, right? And this specific text does that really well, where he starts referring to himself as the good shepherd. Because that image, of course, runs through the Bible. God will refer to himself as a shepherd and his people as the sheep. Uh, Psalm 23, you know this one? Do you know it? How does it start? Yeah, there it is, the Lord is my shepherd. You're like, I don't know, he's tricking me. It's the same, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know this? Yep, he he lies me down. So these images in Ezekiel and in the Psalms, and there's a lot of images where God is referring to himself in this way. So when Jesus pops up and says, I'm the good shepherd, it's kind of like a tune they've heard before. It's something that they've probably heard referred to before and sung maybe even in songs. Before this, he calls himself the gate, which is what was talked about last week. And that gate analogy sort of fits with the shepherd analogy. He kind of bounces back and forth. He's like, I'm the gate and I'm the shepherd and I'm the gate and it's narrow. And he kind of just uses more than one illustration at a time in this chunk. And if you weren't here last week, it's important to hear just a little bit. I'm going to tell you quickly so it'll make more sense of what I'm about to say. Because when he says, I am the gate, he's talking to a group of Pharisees who kind of think they're in charge of things. And they're challenging Jesus in a very particular way. And he's setting himself up against them. He's saying, these guys think they know what they're doing, but they're actually thieves. They're dangerous. They're climbing in another way and they're threatening the sheep. I'm the gate. I'm the true gate. I'm the one that you enter in through. These guys are really narrow too, but they're narrow in a bad way in a dangerous way. I'm also narrow. I'm the one that you come through in order to enter into life. And it's set up really as an argument. And the image, of course, is beautiful. There would be shepherds around all over the place. And, you know, this is the kind of thing they'd be seeing. So it's not like an illustration that they hadn't heard of, nor had they not seen before. It would be one that fits. And so And he's in this argument with the Pharisees, and he's saying, these guys are are not the right way in. I am the right way in. And and I know that, like, that kind of language can feel dangerous in a place like Portland or Denver, where I'm from. Like, 
I don't know, in culture at large right now, we don't like kind of narrow talking, do we? Like we like, we like to talk about like tolerance and openness and, you know, there's all kinds of ways to do anything. And, and in sort of my life, as I'm trying to consider life with God, I just sort of, I hodgepodge together a religious framework. Jesus can be one of the things, but to say that he's the thing feels sort of narrow and restrictive. Does that, would you say that's true? Hear that sort of in the cultural landscape and in, you know, so even these I am statements can feel a little like narrowing and awkward and are we allowed to say things like that? And don't we realize where we are? I mean, we're in Portland, don't we like options, right? Like I'm gonna take a little Buddhism, some wheatgrass, and some essential oils. And I'm gonna hodgepodge this together. The last one offended some of you. You were like, oh, whoa, 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 don't, whoa. Whoa, whoa. I got a pamphlet. You wanna see a pamphlet, Jay? Anyway, but. So like you're. <laughs> too close, was that too close? Okay, anyway. So, you know, I got, you know, and we're just going to hodgepodge this thing together and we just sort of make it work. We make it happen. And, you know, and listen, I get it. Like, like, you know, it feels better to say we're tolerant and we're open. And, but like, can we just talk about like some of the problems with that for a second? Like there's some problems. Like the truth is it, it's nice to have an openness, but it also creates a certain kind of anxiety. Like there's a nervousness that happens when I feel like it's all up to me. And I have to like piece this thing together like some massive puzzle where people are just giving me all these pieces and I don't know which way to go and I guess I have to study all the things in order to do anything. Um, have you been sick recently and gone to like a pharmacy? Have you done this? You go in there and there's just like this array of medicine I don't know about you, but I, it's anxiety producing. You know, you start reading the boxes of like, which pill, should I take a pill, a gel cap, a liquid? There's things I can spray into my face. Which of these should I do? And, and, it, and it just gets worse the more you read. You're like, I came in with a headache and kind of a chest thing. And you're like, I don't know, maybe my nose is running. I, I didn't consider that. I, I don't know. It, watery eyes. Do I have water? Maybe a little. I guess maybe I need that. Joint pain. I mean, I have been a little tight, but I am old. I don't know. I'm not sure. Which thing am I doing right now, right? And then, and then you're like, there's all the various ways it works. And I don't know how it works for you, but I end up walking out with like 12 different things. I don't know what to do. I feel the same way when I stand in a coffee shop. I'm like, can you, can I, is there like a tutorial? Like, can, can someone give me a list of things? You know, I mean, I, like rest, have you been to the Cheesecake Factory? It's the worst. It's like a, it's like, it's, it's like volumes of stuff. And you're just like this. I mean, I don't know. Some of you are like the menu type. You're like, I have to read it all to pick one thing. Um, that's terrible. 
People, people, I'm just going to, listen, the sermon might not matter till right now. Listen, people you go to restaurants with, they don't like you. (laughs) They're bothered by you. Like you don't have to read everything. Just read the, the first thing that looks good. You should get that. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I say that and you're like, Jay, I've tried that. But then someone else got the thing that I realized I should have gotten. And now I'm upset. I'm disappointed. Okay, so there's no way to solve. Okay, do you see how all this creates anxiety? But it creates anxiety. I'm giving you some silly illustrations. But like there's real things going on right now. Like there's people scouring YouTube trying to figure out what to do with their marriage or their soul or the fears that grip them. Like they're, they're looking to like some YouTube influencer who's like 24 that can talk well. Because they're like, I don't know, this person says like ginseng will make me feel better. Some of you are like, I like ginseng. You know, anyway. Like, I want you to hear this. This is really important. When Jesus comes to you, when he comes in these passages and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What he's saying is, you can rest. You can rest. There is a way. And I can show you the way. Just follow me. You don't have to scour the landscape. I mean, listen, when your needs are big enough, when you're desperate enough, you want somebody to just tell you where to go and who to follow. Don't you? I mean, if you have a life-threatening cancer and you go to a doctor, you don't want the doctor to go, you know, It's just a whole lot of things. I don't know. Just start hodgepodging stuff together. You're like, are you a doctor? Aren't you supposed to help me? Aren't you supposed to tell me what to do? Aren't you supposed to give me a path? Isn't that what you want if the stakes are high? Friends, the stakes are high. You've got one life to live. Like Jesus stands in front of you and says, I am the gate. And let's be really honest. I know that sounds narrow, but truthfully, it's all narrow. It's all narrow. I mean, have you not been surprised at how narrow tolerance has become? Does that not surprise you? Like how quickly you're canceled if you just send a bad tweet? Like how quickly you're cut off from friends? I mean, this theoretically tolerant world we're living in is not very tolerant. It's not going very well. The project is failing. And the truth is the narrowness of the world around you is so narrow that it requires that you behave in a certain manner. This is where Jesus is amazing. Jesus's narrowness is incredibly capacious. It's warm. It's open. He's saying anyone can come and follow me. Anyone. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter if you haven't done things right. You can come and follow me. I am the gate. You just come to me. Anyone can come through if you receive me. 
Whereas the other kinds of narrowness require you to behave and act and do and say certain kinds of things in the right way, to get the phrases right and all of the virtue signaling. Jesus says, no, no, no. I mean, have you considered how tolerant Jesus is? There is like no other institution that's just like, we'll take anybody. It doesn't matter what you do, we'll take anybody. We'll receive anybody. Like, you can just come in, no matter what. You know this because you come to a church like this, and you look around and you're like, what are they doing here? (laughs) Uh, Or you might find yourself going, am I okay here? Am I welcome here? If these people knew what I did last week, would they invite me? And here's the great news about Jesus. He says, anyone can come. This narrowness is the most tolerant thing there really is that's available to you. It's found in Jesus. He's competing one narrowness against another. The Pharisees were about how do you behave and get it right and don't do the wrong things in the right way. And Jesus is like, listen, if you just come through this gate and follow me, I will show you the way home. So that gate is the first analogy. Then he says, I am the good shepherd. And listen to how he says it. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd. He doesn't own the sheep. So when he sees a wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I have received from my Father. Jews heard these words and were again divided. Many of them said, he's demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? Others said, these aren't the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? That's what happened in John 9. So Jesus simply says, I'm the gate, then I am the shepherd. And I'm the kind of shepherd that's willing to die for the sheep. I'm the one that's willing to do the hard work. And they listen to my voice, and that's why they follow me out. They hear my voice and they recognize it and they follow me. And by the way, if you look at shepherds in the Middle East, this is exactly how it works. The sheep can hear their voice and recognize their voice as opposed to another shepherd and they follow. Now, many of you, if you're here today, you're like, yeah, the first part you did where you said, I should just trust my life to Jesus. He's a narrow gate. I get it. But you come also now listening to this next part and you say, wait a minute, I have a hard time hearing God's voice. I wonder what it is to be led by God as a good shepherd. I don't hear his voice. You might even come today going, you know, I have some things I really need some leadership in. Um, Just pastorally, as I just relate with people in church, the number one thing I hear people saying is like, well, what am I supposed to do with my life? I just want to do what God asked me to do, and he's not speaking to me. I'm not sure what to do. Is that anybody here? I'm not clear about this next step, right? This thing that I'm not sure what to do about. And, and then that starts to lead into a whole other set of dysfunctions where you're like, man, there must be like 
something wrong with me. Maybe I'm not like holy enough or I've not done this enough or that enough and that's why I can't hear from God. Like somehow God isn't speaking to me. And so that means that God speaks to other people. He doesn't speak to me and I don't hear his voice. And what does that mean? And oh no, what am I gonna do? And, and then you show up in places like this and you're like, I don't know, like Tyler looks holy. Tell him something to tell me. Like something's wrong with me. There's something maybe going better with him. Just make him tell me the thing you wanna say, God, because I'm a mess. Anybody, anybody do this? Right, like, like you're in a moment where like people receive prayer. We'll do that in a minute. Have you ever done this thing where you're like coming up for prayer or you like ask someone to pray and you're waiting there and you're kind of looking at who's gonna do the praying and you're like, I hope he prays. <laughs> and then another person comes over, you're like, hey, yeah, sure, you can pray, but. <laughs> can you come? Thanks, you done now? Great, you. Because there's like people that hear and then there's people that don't hear and you know the person that hears is the person. Do you, you, you do this game? And you're thinking, I must be one of the lessers or they're one of the lessers and there's like the, the holy people that do it right and there's the people that don't get it so right. But Jesus doesn't say that. He says, my sheep hear my voice. And I don't know that we spend enough time thinking about the analogy of what Jesus is saying here because what he's saying is frankly a little offensive. I mean, the analogy through the scriptures of sheep and the one that's used here is not exactly positive. Uh, I don't know if you've been with sheep. Who here has been with sheep? You've been with some sheep? A few of you have? Got some shepherds among us. Okay. There's like a few. Great. If you've been with sheep, you know this. If you haven't been with sheep, you don't know this. But let me just be really clear. Sheep are dumb. <laughs> They're not bright. They're not bright and they don't see very well. They can't see, but just a little bit ahead of them. That's why they listen to the voice, right? They hear a voice. They can't, they have decent peripheral vision. They don't have very good vision straight ahead. And so they listen to a voice and they follow a voice because they can't see very well and they're sort of dumb. If sheep end up alone in any way, they fall in holes, they walk right off cliffs, all the time. Like all the time, like I've been around sheep and you know, in, in different places in the world and shepherds are spending time just trying to keep the stinking sheep together because if a sheep just gets away, it's gonna get hit by a predator, or it's gonna fall in a hole or it's gonna roll over a cliff. Just know that that's the background. You're sheep. <laughs> There's two very simple things to learn out of that. One. When you are alone, you tend to fall over cliffs. When you are alone, you're not with other sheep. Most sheep actually know where they're going because they just stick next to other sheep. When you're sort of wandering around out there, doing your own thing, the odds of you doing something dumb go way up. Part of what it means to be the church of Jesus Christ is you're with people who are also doing things, trying to follow the shepherd. And sometimes when you kind of lose track of what's going on, you just move back towards where the people are. Does this make sense? Sometimes when you can't hear God's voice very well, if you just get around other people that are hearing God's voice, you kind of keep yourself out of trouble. So that's one very simple analogy. And a lot of the analogies of how God goes after people as a shepherd is he has to go chase down dumb sheep that wander off. And listen, he's a good shepherd. He will come get you. 
But by then, sometimes you've tumbled down a cliff and you're beat up in a certain way that he'll heal you, he'll work with you, but you know what? You don't have to just keep falling in holes. There's some of you, you just gotta hear this one thing, okay? This is it. You're like, I don't know. I don't really need to go to church. I have a life with Jesus, I'm doing my thing. But then you end up coming back into rooms like this because you do stupid things, right? You come back because you've done a few dumb things. You're like, I gotta get right with God. What if you just didn't like wander off? What if you just stuck around? What if you just kind of stuck near the other sheep? That would help you immensely. I understand that not every week is sexy and interesting. I get it. But some of it is just faithfulness to be with God's people that just keeps you from doing stupid things. It's really simple. It's fairly boring. Truly. And then there'll be amazing things that happen from time to time, but that's not every day in a life with Jesus. Often it's just keeping yourself from something stupid. Does this make sense? That's one thing you can learn. The second thing, which is a little more interesting, I think, because I think it will help free some of you right now. You need to hear this. Jesus saying that it's the shepherd and the sheep is a really interesting analogy. What he doesn't say is, my clever foxes hear my voice. Doesn't say that. He says, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep. This is the key. Listen to this, it's very important. Right now, I think a number of you could be set free and liberated, right now, in trying to hear God's voice. The very, the things that you're unsure of what to do with. Listen to this. The confidence you have in your life with God is not dependent upon your ability to listen, but your confidence is dependent on his ability to lead. He is a good shepherd. He's good at this. You are not so good at this. You're bad at this. I know that you know you're sinful. You know that, right? Here's the problem. You are so much worse than you know. It's so bad. Like however bad you think it is, it's just like way worse. And if God showed you how bad it was, you would not be able to get up off the floor. It is his mercy that he just shows you bits at a time. It's his kindness, because it's just really bad, guys. It's really, really bad. It's so much worse than you know. And yet he is so, listen, this is the key. He is so much more kind and loving than you could ever imagine. It is not your goodness that makes you a follower of Jesus. It is his goodness. It is his mercy. It's his ability to lead, not your ability to follow. The pressure's off. You are a sheep. You can hardly see, and you're kind of dumb. Seriously. I know some of you just get so offended. Listen, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> this is the gospel. The gospel is he did for you what you cannot do for yourself. That's the gospel. The way in is the way on. Like you don't graduate. You just don't graduate. You think you're better. You might even be a little better, but it's still 
really, really bad. Seriously, and it will remain that way. But he is really, really good. He is so kind. He is so generous. He is so merciful. So then you say, okay, God isn't playing hide and go seek. I mean, so many times I hear people trying to discern the voice of God. They're like, I'm scouring, I've got to look for him. And it's like he's running through the woods and he's like hiding. <laughs> and you're like, there he is. And he's like, ah, and he runs and he like hides somewhere else. <laughs> and so like, it's like, I got to try real hard to figure out what God's doing. No, 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 no. That's not how this works. If that's how you think it works, you're just going to be exhausted and tired. It's not, it's not how it works. That's not how it works. The truth is you're just kind of half blind and dumb and you're just trying to hear so you can follow. So, okay, so if that's true, so you're like, well, then why am I not hearing God's voice? I mean, I'm asking, like, what's the career I'm supposed to have? Am I supposed to marry this person? Uh, it, should, I, should I move to this place? Should I be in this church? Why do I not? If you're saying God is good at leading, my job is to just listen it's not my following, it's his leadership, then why don't I hear what's going on? Well, I have a very, very simple answer. You ready? Like seriously, you should really listen right now because you brought those things, a very, very simple answer. It might be that God doesn't really care about what you're asking. It might be that God is speaking to you about things that you're not listening for. See, once you believe that he's a good leader, then you just go, I wonder what he wants to talk about. I wonder what he cares about. I wonder what it means for me to follow his leadership as opposed to saying, you know, I've got this project that I'm kind of putting together. I think it's pretty cool. God, I really need you to like do it for me. And he's like, I don't actually care that much about that. I care about another thing. And you're like, yeah, 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 but this is pretty great. Because, I mean, we all know that the most important thing in your life is who you're going to marry, right? Ooh, single people. I hurt a little, didn't it? That one hurt? It's not. It's not. Now, he might talk to you about that, but he's going to want to talk to you about a lot of other things first. A lot of other things first. A whole bunch of things about who you are, what it means to trust him and know him and love him and be secured in him. These things really matter. And those things can sustain you. And if you open your ears to hear and trust that he's a good leader, he's a good leader. You just got to do the next step with him. He will lead you rightly. You don't take your project and try to give it to him. Jesus Christ is not a means to an end. He is an end in himself. He is worthy to be worshiped and to be followed. And this is why a lot of following Jesus is just dying. Take up your cross, follow me, die to all this other stuff people say are important. Let it die and let me show you who you really are. I am a good shepherd. I will lead you if you just let me. So many times in my life, I've had to come to this conclusion, you know, there's things that feel very urgent and they're very stressful and I don't know what to do about them. I'm standing before God and I'm going, God, I really need your help. I need your clarity. And it feels like silence. And I'm going, God, I know, I know you know this is important, silence. 
Sometimes that's because he's already told us what to do in his word. You don't need a word about what God has already told you in the scriptures. Uh, Often I will have God say things to me like, I think I've already told you about this. And I'm like, yeah, but is there another way? (laughs) Nope, I already told you about this. So sometimes you'll hear the voice of God by obeying God. That's one. But then there's these specific things. Um, I have one very specific example that changed my life. Uh, My wife and I were praying about like a career thing, a really difficult thing with her family, and then a really hard thing with our daughter, and then kind of a financial thing we didn't know what to do with, and, and then like a couple relationships that were scattered, and it was all these little things, and they were coming together, and we were praying, like genuinely seeking God, trying to get in front of God, asking God, like, what do you want from us? And it was just like silence. It's like nothing. And this is like weeks. And we're getting more and more frustrated. And I'm going, like, come on, like, Lord. And I'm like, Daniel, what do you think God's saying to you? And I don't know. And I'm like, I don't know either. And, 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 and it just was getting, have you ever had this? And I'm going and I'm going and I'm showing up in church services like, God, speak to somebody else. And there, nobody's doing anything. And it's just frustrating. I'm putting it in front of people and I'm just getting more and more frustrated. And while this is going on, one night, just a normal night, I'm putting my youngest daughter to bed and she, she's the energetic one in my family. You know, she's kind of loud and wild. Uh, so much so that, uh, you know, I, I started, I created a code with her where I call her my sunshine because I say, you know, sometimes the sun is too bright. So when she's a little bright, with specifically with her older sister, I'll just, I will literally start singing. I'll go, you are my sunshine, my only sunshine. She'll go, okay, I get it. Then she kind of backs up a little bit, right? So we'd had a day where the sun was very bright in our home, and I was putting her to bed, and she was kind of revved up, and I was laying, sitting next to her, and I kind of laid next to her and went to pray for her, and I started to sing, you are my sunshine to her, and she giggled, and you make me happy when skies are gray, I'm singing, and I went to bed, my wife was just in the other room, and I went and laid down next to her in bed, and I could hear she was crying, and so like most husbands, I thought to myself, what have I done? I can't, you know, I'm replaying. I think I did, the, I did the dishes, I might, the trash, I think I did. What's the last thing we talked about? Anyway, so I'm doing that, <laughs> quietly, and then finally I'm like, babe, what's wrong? And she said, you know, Jay, no one's ever sang like that over me. I didn't, I didn't have a dad, I'm watching you raise our girls, and I'm going, I don't have a dad like that, and I'm never going to. And there's just these gaps in my soul that I don't know how to fill. And it's just depressing. I was like, oh, babe, I'm, you know, and then I did the things husbands do, which is be dumb. As I was like, but, you know, God loves you. I'll never forget, because she kind of rolled over and looked at me like, can you just not do that? And I was like, yeah, okay, well, good night. Go to bed. And, uh, you know, I mean, what are you going to do? You do dumb things when you don't know what to do. I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm learning. Pray for me. So anyway, that's like 
few weeks and then like a few weeks go by, we're in this weird thing, we're praying and God's not answering. So we're getting more and more frustrated because it feels like things are urgent. We're gonna have to do some things. We're gonna have to make some decisions. And a friend of mine had like a prophetic friend in town and he was like, you want me to bring him to your staff meeting? I'm like, yes. And I remember driving to staff meeting with my wife and I'm like, the prophetic guy's here. We got these three things we're putting in front. God can't speak to us. He's definitely gonna speak to him. So let's like, like, let's go in. And she's like, he's giving great. We're in the car. We're like, Lord, you know what we need. Da, 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 da. And we're giving him like our list. Lord, you know what you got to do now. And we walk into the prayer meeting and we're sitting in a little circle and we're about to go worship. And this guy, have you ever been with like really prophetic people? They are stunningly weird. <laughs> so he's just really weird, super prophetic. And we're about to go to worship, we're gonna do some things. And he goes, you know, how about I just start praying for people? I don't need to do any of the other things. And I'm like, okay, yeah, go for it. And he just starts working around the room. And I know the people in the room, so I'm watching him go, you know, this is what God would wanna to say to you about this, and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, wow, that's true, I know that person. He works around, he has a couple words for me, and they're true, and it was like, wow, that's really helpful. It didn't, it didn't answer the things I wanted. So I was making a little list in my mind, like, okay, right after this, I'm gonna say, can I ask you a few other questions? Help me out. And, but then I thought, don't be rude. Don't like monopolize the time. Just wait, let him go around the room. He goes around the room and he gets to my wife, Danielle, and I'm standing across the room and I'm thinking, okay, you know, we get, we get a two for one. There's two of us. <laughs> so let's see what he wants. Come on, come on. Just the one thing is the most important one. If you do that one first and then, and he, he stops. He's really quiet for a minute. He goes, I have a very weird thing happening. I have a word from God. He goes, hmm. He goes, I can't really sing, so I'm just gonna say it. He puts his hand on his shoulder and he goes, you are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. You'll never know, dear, how much I love you. Please don't take my sunshine away. Just like that, didn't sing. <laughs> I come apart. It was like somebody unzipped me. I'm like, you know, and I'm, and you know, think about watching this in the room. People are like, it wasn't that great. You know, like, like he spoke a kid song, you know, it's not that great. And I'm like, oh God, ah, you know, and my poor wife, she's falling apart and everyone's like, gosh, these guys are hanging on by a thread. I, we had no idea. Only God knew. I'm gonna tell you how sinful I am. We literally finished that time. We barely pull ourselves together. I go to try to tell people. I can't even tell, but you know, I'm like, hey, guy, here's what you know. Here's what you don't know. You know, I can't even like talk. You ever had that experience? It's just the worst. These are my friends and I'm, you know, and they're just like a little like, ooh. Anyway, finally I get through it. And here's how sinful I am. Literally, it's like 20 minutes later, I look at, you know, I'm hugging my wife. I'm like, isn't that incredible? We go out to the car. Literally 20 minutes later, I'm like, he didn't even answer any of this stuff. You know, like, what the? <laughs> That's how sinful I am. God tends to lead you into what you really need, not what you think you want. You know what you need? You need to know that you're loved by God. You need to know that you're secured 
by God. You need to know that he adores you and he loves you and he cares for you and you can trust him. You need to know because you're going to go through really hard things in your life and it's not all going to work the way you want it to. But he promises to be near to you. He promises to care for you. I find God's voice generally is speaking to who I am more than like what he wants me to do. And what I do flows naturally and neatly out of who I am, a loved son, a loved daughter, one who is highly favored and treasured. You need to hear his voice afresh today, every day. Amen.